Welcome to the 105 Way Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia. And your co-host, JL. And on this episode, we have the wonderful Marvell Sage, author of Altoro Sleeps. Marvell, how are you? Hi. So happy to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate, you know, you working with us, giving us the opportunity to bring your book to life, your vision. Um, So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do for a living, and how the idea of writing came to mind. Well, I am originally from St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands, currently living in Spring Hill, Florida. I am a mom of a senior. He's 17, so... I have that, oh no, leave the nest syndrome is coming, it's coming. (laughs) I have been writing since I could remember. I've always kind of been a journaler. It was an outlet for me. I started to love it more in elementary school when I had a teacher who really instilled the love for English and literature and poetry. And since then, I've always been writing. In my day job, I'm an educator. This is my 21st year of teaching. I've taught anywhere from kindergarten to uh, college, freshmen and sophomores. And I really love education beyond just writing. I've published four books since about 2000, I want to say 2007. Two collections of poetry, and of course, Arturo Sleeps is my second children's book. I'm a sorority girl. I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, and I'm very proud of that. I'm a legacy, and I'm an executive board member. I'm the second vice president of my chapter here in uh, the Tampa Bay area. And so I am no stranger to volunteerism to leadership, to advocacy, and I love serving my community. So that's a little bit about me. Wonderful, wonderful. And, and I got to ask, because the range is, is very large when we're talking kindergarten, I believe you said all the way up to college. Do you have a age range that you, uh, I wouldn't say prefer, but that, that you either enjoy the most or you connect with the most? Middle schoolers. I like middle schoolers. Um, I think as my son got older, my tolerance and patience for certain age groups grew smaller. (laughs) And in the last five, I started off in like kindergarten and pulling small groups from K to eight. And then I moved up to second and then to fourth and then to sixth. And now I teach middle school English. One subject, not all the subjects, my subject. And it's six, seven, and eight graders. And I like it. Um, I've taught high schoolers. To me, they're scary. I've got a high schooler, but the high schoolers are scary. They're bigger than you. They're taller than you. You can't manage your behavior as well as the middle schoolers. They look at you like, lady, I'm grown. (laughs) (laughs) The middle schoolers are not too babyish, but they're right there. You can still have time to mold them and shape them and, you know, and do what you need to do. So definitely middle schoolers. I like that. And first, I want to say 
thank you for what you do because in my eyes, I view teachers as first responders. You guys have, you know, you have to have a special mindset. You have to have a, a, a want to do the job that you do. And I just, I can't thank you enough because you're bringing up our babies in, in ways that, you know, we can't do at home. And I, I just thank you. Thank you for what you do. Um, well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> How did the idea of writing Arturo Sleeps come to mind? Oh, Arturo Sleeps is very special to me. Um, not only is this my fourth book, but this is my first book with my teenager, Elijah Hermit. So we wrote it together. And um, my son has several disabilities. He's a high-functioning autistic student. Um, he has ADD and he also has narcolepsy and narcolepsy is a sleep disorder that I feel that the community sleeps on. There's not enough research and information out there for parents who have children with narcolepsy. Um, there's a few youth groups here and there, um, parent groups and everybody shares, but even in the education system, there's not a lot of knowledge of how to work with a student with narcolepsy. Um, and so, we, you know, Corona hit and we were home. He was learning in one room on Zoom. I was in the other room on Zoom teaching my students while he shut his class, you know? And so he struggled even during that time with his narcolepsy, being able to stay awake enough to get on a live call missing the live call and having to make it up the next day, um, going through different medication changes. And, you know, one day was like, you know what, Ma, we should write this book together. We should start thinking about, you know, writing about how this is. This will be a great story. And I was like, yeah, I like the idea. I was thinking about that too. And he's always wanted to write with me. So we wrote the book. It kind of sat there for a year or two, seasoned in. <laughs> And then uh, this year, we probably said, let's get this thing published. It's been sitting down for too long. So it's time. And some of our favorite books to put together is that parent and child combination. Uh, we have quite a bit of those. And, and you know, they always uh, seem to, to hit that emotional trigger for the reader to get what the, the overall messages of the story, um, because it's not only coming from an adult standpoint, but also a kid or even, you know, child or, or a teenager standpoint as well, which is extremely beneficial. With that being said, what were some of the struggles you had when coming up with not just the concepts, but like when you two were just developing the, the how the book should flow? Were there any struggles that you had during the process? Yes, the biggest thing is uh, we wanted the readability of the book to reach any age group. We wanted the language to be, you know, higher level enough that an adult would enjoy reading it with their child, but yet on the level of, you know, uh, elementary, middle school students, so that they could understand uh, what. Arturo was going through and understand what it means to go to the doctor and test for a diagnosis, understand how important family support is 
And so we had a little struggle with that. But um, as you know, any writer has a crew. So I have a crew. And uh, the crew consists of one or two of my sorority sisters that I trust, um, classroom teacher buddies, my mom, who's a retired educator um, and reading teacher, and my aunt, who's a retired uh, educator. And so I would send a little email when I was ready. And I said, listen, you have to read this thing, okay? Listen, you have to read this thing. I need you to edit it. Remember, you are the secret crew. Uh, you know, you can't talk about this with anybody else outside the circle. Look, if it's spelled wrong, just say so. I had to look at the words, <laughs> you know. And so they have their clear and honest and open instructions. This is what I need you to do. Time to handle. You know, if I'm emailing you, it's handling it time. So I send them the email and then within a week I get that feedback and they were really help, helpful in saying, you know, this is a little too high a level of children ain't understand what you're talking about in this section. Oh, you missed a period here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, things like that, you know, and, and that truly helps. That's amazing. Um, I think this is such a, like you said earlier, it's such a touchy topic and it's something that's not talked about, especially in our community. Um, and I think even narcolepsy goes undiagnosed and parents, you know, they, they push it off. They're like, oh, you'll be fine. And it's, yes, it's it truly things. does go undiagnosed. It has to be a, a, a severe case where you see a real pattern um, for it, for the parents to even go and seek assistance. Elijah has been sleepy-ish since the third grade. We found out in third grade that he was a high-functioning autistic student by accident. As a teacher, you kind of know how to diagnose and see the little quirks in the student. So I always imagined that if I wasn't a teacher, he may not have seen that first diagnosis in third grade when I did certain tests and took certain channels. It may not have occurred till maybe high school where he couldn't stay awake in class. Like he slept through his whole middle school career because... Even though I uh, was very careful about his diet, my home is very structured. Um, he had chores to do. I made sure that he didn't eat too late. I made sure he had a decent bedtime, the prime conditions for sleeping. He'd get up in the morning, still go to sleep. I remember there were times where I woke him up and thought he was awake because he still got up and did automatic motion. I went into the room the shower's running for hours. I'm trying to go to work. Let's go. Why are you still in the shower an hour later? Doors locked, water seeping under the door. He's asleep. <laughs> wow. So he did automatic uh, uh, movements, went in the bathroom, locked the door. I had to teach him no locked doors in the house, dude. I know you're a dude, but no, not with your condition. I'm there trying to get a knife to unlock the door. You know, he could jimmy the door with a little butter knife. <laughs> And water is coming out. He's standing in the shower asleep. Okay. So like these are the type of things that it's not spoken out about in the schools. So the child comes to class. He's sleeping. They try to wake him. Sometimes it's not safe to wake them. My son was a trained martial artist. Candidate black belt. High school teacher tried to wake him. Pop, pop. <laughs> right. And um, <laughs> I get a phone call. Oh, mistake! You know, like what did he? What happened? And then a conference, and then 
thank God the teacher understood what was going on and he, he understood and he said, okay, so you got to tell us what do we do? So me, the parent who don't know a lot about the stuff, what do we do when he's asleep? How do we move him, especially if the bell rings? So I had to give them that advice and kind of work them through it. A lot of teachers don't know. You may have one diagnosed narcolepsy student pass through a school every couple years plus or so. You know, I know the high school I'm at that my son goes to, they have never had a narcoleptic student until mine. <laughs> so, you know, and that school has been open about eight years. So you could just imagine the stress that the student goes through. Um, support is important. And I wanted to show that in the book because if they didn't have the support, they go through waves of depression, self-doubt. Um, and I just really needed that to be expressed. I love that. Yeah, that that's amazing. It's, and it's powerful too. Um, what are some warning signs without giving away the book? Because I know the book talks about it a little bit. What's some warning signs for parents or future parents that they can look for um, dealing with a child that has narcolepsy or they may suspect? What's some warning signs that you noticed? Extensive sleeping. A lot of people say teenagers sleep a lot. A, a teenager with narcolepsy sleeps double. So <laughs> teenagers like to sleep. No, this is double. That If you see that you're your child is sleeping from the time they got home after dinner Friday night. They went to bed early. They slept. It's now two o'clock in the afternoon. They're still sleeping. Four o'clock come and you're like, no, you got to get up. You ain't eat all day. They get up, but they're still kind of feel like they need to sleep. They eat, they do what they have to do. And by eight o'clock, they're back asleep again till the next day. Check on that. I understand being tired, but children are active and they like to move and they like to play. And if they're not playing as much, check that. If you find that you try to wake them up and they have a hard time getting up, check that. If you see that they're falling asleep, like at the drop of a dime for no apparent reason, you know, they are very well rested. They're not sick. And all of a sudden they can drop asleep in like any condition, you know, check that <laughs> because my son could be wake as rain and all of a sudden, two seconds later, out, like snoring out, like you just said A, B, C, D and you're snoring out like, dude, you know, things like that you want to look for because we can sleep a lot, but that much sleeping is, is not great. And then sometimes they wake up with what's called, what I call the fog. So they may go to sleep and you may speak to them or you... They may have been learning something and they didn't catch it. So they're, they have brain fog, but then they have to catch themselves back. If you see them doing uh, asleep and doing automatic movements where they look like they're awake, but they're still brushing their teeth or kind of sometimes like sleepwalking, check that. So, Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's really helpful too. Cause again, yes, we, I do remember those kids where it seemed like they were always falling asleep in class and, and, you know, their, their home life, you know, was, was, was a little bit different. They may have had a lot of siblings or, and so they were just identified as, 
you just like to sleep. It is what it is. So I can imagine how often it's ignored. I want to come back to you were talking about having a uh, circle to help bring your book to life, which ties into our third question. So what's some advice that you have for someone who doesn't know where to begin, but they want to be an author? Um, so when the manuscript is done, I love that getting people who are around you that can critique it and give you advice before you even begin the publication process. But if they don't even know how to put words on paper yet, what is your advice? You kind of encourage, I try to encourage because I do mentor some other writers to just get it all down. You don't have to be English teacher. You don't have to be an educated person to write your thoughts. Um, I say that's the first step. Oh, you got an idea, get a piece of paper, get a journal, get something, write it down. Or for the young people, the tech millennial, whatever you want to call them, generally ZXY, <laughs> you know, the, the younger people, <laughs> I usually tell them, okay, you don't like to write, get it, get, well, tape recorder. I used to say that a couple of years ago, tape recorder, record it on your, the laptops have recording devices, go on a Zoom by yourself and record yourself speaking it. So I, I tell the tech people to use your podcast tools and your YouTube stuff and just get it out there, get it recorded. I like to season in stuff. So <laughs> I tell them, get it recorded, put it down somewhere, walk away, give it a day, depending on your time limit. Sometimes I give it a year, <laughs> you know, and let it season in. And one day you're going to remember it and you take it back out. And then that's when you start to dissect. That's when you start to formulate. That's where you start to put it together. But they have to get it down. And then after you put something that you feel is good, then you, you check your crew, a trusted crew, and you stick with that crew every time and have them look at it. And then, then you feel like you're good to go. And then you seek people like 105 Publishing who save you after you realize you're old and didn't do the galley right. <laughs> but but that's, that's how you do it. <laughs> we appreciate that. Thank you so much. Speaking of the 105 family, um, what did you love most about working with us? I like, I felt like well, you guys have always been professional. Okay. But I like that. But I didn't feel like I was dealing with a business. And I don't want you to say it wrong. I felt like I was dealing with my crew, if I could put it that way, like a family. So like when Jason reached out to me, he was very professional. Um, I didn't feel like I was being cheated. You know how these Facebook things go on, mm -mm, right? <laughs> like somebody was trying to get your money. Right. Um, he genuinely listened to my needs and my passion and how I felt about what I was trying to do. And he understood that. Okay. So he understood the assignment and because it <laughs> felt like a family, um, it was easy for him to work with. He even listened to me when I complained about the knee surgery, Jason, not today. My knee hurts me. You don't got to wait. <laughs> you know, like, it was like, I know I get it. I'm sending your prayers your way. I was like, you forget that just had surgery. I'm coming to you now, Jason. I'm going to get it done. <laughs> um, and that's what I love most about 105 Publishing. You feel like, you truly feel like you're part of the family. Um, everyone answered my questions in a timely fashion. Um, they understood that I couldn't use my phone all day. So a phone call wasn't necessarily the best way, but send me a text. 
Jason, you send me a text or email, I respond quick. Um, you know, and so I really appreciate it. And I think I found my new publishing home. And they were affordable, very affordable. Yeah, I I must say that's the I love that you put it that way, because that's always my goal, not to make it feel like a business transaction. And even thinking back to the publisher that I went with before I started 105, that's exactly what I felt like was more of a client, was more of a dollar sign. And so going through that experience made me do everything opposite as far as how this company um, operates to make sure that everyone feels like a family. And so when we came up with the idea of, you know, it's called the 105 family, that that really stuck. And so you saying that means that our, our mission was accomplished. So I, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, we appreciate everything. Uh, it, it makes us feel great when we hear things like that. <laughs> so um, real quick, just to wrap up, where can our listeners find you, follow your story, find your book, or even, you know, you can mention any of your other books that you said that you published? Yes. Yeah, so I am working on a website. However, I am available on Facebook and Instagram at Bell's Caucasians LLC. Uh, that's my small business. I do writing services. I write poetry for any occasion. So if you have an event, it could be a wedding, it could be a birthday party, it could be a conference, and you want something to open up your meeting, you just contact me. We have a consultation. I put original poetry together that nobody else will have. Um, and so that's some of the things that I do. So Vels Occasions LLC, all my books are on Amazon.com. Barnes and Nobles and other places where books are sold. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, like I said, I have two collections of poetry, Shores of a Cinnamon Soul and Carambola, a book for the grown and sexy, working on a part two of that one. And then the two children's books, Hanging with Uncle Eddie and the latest one, Arturo Sleep. So I'm so happy to be here and to continue work on 105 Publishing I hinted I need a website, Jason. Oh, I, oh, I heard you. I heard you. Now, 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 so this, you are a family member now, but I did hear that. So that's the next, that's the next project. Yes, yes. Okay. See, see we, got, we got to blend the family and the business a little bit. I got you. <laughs> that's how you do it, right? <laughs> so, um, but definitely, definitely, I'm excited about where this leads. I have a couple more projects working on, like I'm going to do a sequel to Carambola Passion. Uh, it'll be called Carambola Passion, a sequel to Carambola. And I have two more children's books sitting around seasoning. One that's going to be called Wata in the Tent. So it talks about uh, how uh, I adventured at Arturo and I had camping. <laughs> at beach during <laughs> that Easter sounds interesting. In right. St. Croix and the Virgin <laughs> Islands and the adventures we had. So a lot of Wata came into the tent, you know? <laughs> so it's right. pretty cool. Because I like uh, that one's going to be written written more in the Krujan dialect. I like to infuse culture in a lot of the stuff that I do uh, whenever I can. So pretty excited about that. <laughs> Love that. Yes. Well, yeah, we're excited for those projects. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very, very excited, especially with my, my family primarily being from the islands as well. 
Um, you know, I just, I, I love the connection we have here. So again, thank you for being a member of the 105 family and thank you for being on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you. It was good seeing you. Yes. <laughs> you too. Thank you. This has been the 105 Way Podcast. Tune in every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time for a new episode.